Hey, baby. How are you? It's Andy Murphy, hostess of your Cosmic Mama podcast. And as is the way, I show up sincerely. And I show up when I show up. And I know it doesn't work with algorithms and it doesn't work with marketing. And I'm sorry if I even let you down in my ability to appear but I've been doing inner space. Oh, the divine child has been so... It's been such a blessing to lead through. And I've been doing in the past couple of weeks this Kasha Creator Codes activation for Saged. And oh my god, it's um, like it's all new. As am I, as are you. We are all new. So think of what I've recognized is when I am teaching, like that's my focus, that's my output, that's where my energy and capacity to connect is. It's not here. So I'm sorry for that. And I really do my best to try to invite you to everything without selling you a fucking thing. But that's where I've been. And uh, delightfully, wonderfully, blissfully so. So today's episode is, um, oh, can I say that in memoriam? It feels too hard. It's a celebration. It's my love note to Anne Rice. And it's raw and it's emotional because I didn't know that this needed to come through until it needed to come through. So uh, if Anne meant anything to you, I hope that you will deeply feel And share with me in the honoring of this most remarkable being who blessed every facet of my being. Uh, You'll hear uh, 1988. Holy shit, I think I started reading Anne in 1988. Um, In high school, she was also a very big impact and I can credit her. I can credit my paper on her and my... um, accolades by the teacher for giving me the courage to be a writer and in 2006 I sent her an email so you'll hear a little bit about all of this inside and it is fucking indulgent let me just say that like yeah I did this for me so if it means anything to you hallelujah and if it doesn't this would probably be a good place to stop. Because <laughs> I don't even open sacred space. Maybe I will now. Maybe I will now. Okay, let's do that. But we're going to do as we like to do here. And we are going to light a bowl. Light a candle, light a joint. To celebrate the blessing of Anne Rice and her presence on this planet. I'll see you inside. And it's so cute, like you heard how I completely wanted to not open sacred space. (laughs) Thanks for indulging my grief. And uh, it's pretty funny as spirit is here. We're not just going to be doing an opening of sacred space. We are going to do a celebration to get Anne to the other side. So you might want to grab a drum and join me for a few minutes. 
I'll not talk over it, and we will instead just, uh, hmm, light the fucking gong to get this being home, huh? Let's go. I don't know a world without Anne Rice. But the news of her passing this week, I didn't feel much. I suppose to me she's always been of the other world. One foot there, one foot here. So I wanted to take some time today and honor and thank, celebrate. Because she was to her fans, not distant. She was a part of things. She would throw parties. She wanted to know and celebrate this world that she had created. And she didn't want to be alone in that world. To me, it's such a profound act of love. And I wish I could tell you the first time I started reading her. It would have been the 80s. <laughs> would have been the 80s. Each year for Christmas, I would get a new book, a hard copy, that I would devour, that I would live in. My sister still credits her hatred of reading on me <laughs> because I would get lost in books. And a voracious reader, an eventual literature major, I obviously like some stories and fairy tales and mythology. It was in the worlds of Anne Rice that things came to life. And it wasn't an obsession with vampires. It wasn't wanting to be a vampire. But it was her craft. It was the way she wrote. It was the world she brought you into with such rich language descriptions and her art in that way was not one-dimensional or two-dimensional. 
So Anne Rice as creator. I remember reading about how she created the Mayfair Witch's legacy. They came to life in her home in Jackson Square of New Orleans. And she said she wrote all over the walls as each character would reveal themselves to her and that her job was to weave it all together. As creators, we are always pulling from other worlds. <laughs> in 1992, I was a sophomore in high school, and we had to do a paper in language arts. I think it was called language arts back then. You remember that? We had to do a paper on an author and how their work was biographical. Me, I picked Dan Rice. And I remember talking to my teacher and her telling me that she thought it was uh, a stretch, that she didn't think it was going to work. I'm like, wait, I betcha, I betcha. So I was able to write a paper. Well, you know, hey, writer, yeah, I've always been writing. But that paper that I wrote for her, that um, how interview with a vampire was biological, how it was a desire to bring her daughter back her daughter who had died of leukemia. So Interview with a Vampire came out in 1976, right when I was born. So really, I don't know a world without Anne. In losing her daughter, she began to write, as creators do. And she was able to make her immortal. <laughs> if you know Interview with a Vampire or read it, oh, yep, yeah, uh... Immortal vampire child, uh, a little tricky, isn't it? <laughs> to be ever trapped in the body of a five-year-old. But it was so very biographical. And I think it was with Lestat uh, in Blackwood Farm, which would come in 2002. To me, that was... Lestat's final story and I sobbed Lestat had been crafted on her husband's stand a poet and when he died the stories died for a minute too beyond my emotions with all of this I am certain that Anne Rice encouraged me to be me. She gave permission for a world that felt very different from the one we inhabited. When we got to the Mayfairs and the story of the witches began, so we had been uh, mostly in the Vampire Chronicles, Covering them. I also grew up in Louisiana and would write not only in New Orleans, but also uh, at the Gulf Coast, very near to where I vacationed as a kid. So we never met, but timelines certainly crossed and inspiration was coming from similar spaces and places. Uh, 
So when we leave the world of the vampires and go into uh, perhaps a more plausible world of the Mayfair witches, and that story comes to life, and Lasher, oh God. Um, and you must know every vampire story, as I have sat with them for <laughs> 30 plus years, it's all sex, right? It's this longing and it's this desire that is sometimes unfulfilled. Certainly a fantasy, but not the way that Anne wrote it. Lasher in 1993. I don't know why that one still lives in me so big. This story of a spirit who was committed to a family and would do anything. And that fiction, hmm, not fiction, it was much closer to, you know, perhaps a djinn even, or many spirits who are contracted to families as service, as protectors. There was so much that Anne would write about that perhaps could have just been coming from her imagination, but it never was just imagination to me. It kept something alive. It fed my little shamanic heart way before I knew that's what was happening. But I want to talk about uh, Men Mock the Devil, which was 1995. Because in Men Mock, that's kind of uh, where it was no longer fiction for me. And where uh, Men Mock also would have been my first year of college. It's where we stepped into more huh, esoteric, more theoretical. Mm, theoretical, isn't it? But it was a crossover point. And long story short, in Men Mock, hopefully I'm not spoiling anything for you, the devil is tired of being the devil. <laughs> and he recruits Lestat to take over the job. And there's this one scene um, with the devil and Lestat in a French cafe. It lives in me because it is this great query of good and dark, of light and death. And you can even hear today, like, I don't have words. I didn't know I was this sad until I sat here with you. My eloquence is gone today. And that's okay. Because any of the words and any of the eloquence and any of the ways that I've created and crafted and written have been inspired by this one woman. And in Menbach, for the first time, it's not just a story, but it brings, brought me at my young age, 17, 18, into really deep questions and understandings and ponderings. I think that was what Menmok was for me more than anything else. It was a consideration. <laughs> Uh, 
I don't know a world without Anne. I don't know a Christmas without Anne. Um, and I will also admit here that uh, the last few books that she's written, I didn't read. I didn't. I couldn't get into it. And I think that's what I said. Like Blackwood Farm for me was the closing chapter. And that was enough. And Blackwood Farm closing chapter because it brought together the Mayfairs and the vampires for the first time. And God dang. It was perfect. So in 2005, Christ the Lord comes out. <laughs> Christ the Lord from Anne Rice, a book about the child Jesus. This book was uh, obviously quite a departure from vampires and witches and demons. And it was celebrating Anne's love of Jesus. It was celebrating her Catholicism and the richness of that path in her life. And I can remember reading it and it was the story of a psychic kid. It wasn't Jesus. It was a kid with superpowers whose family needed to protect him. And it was so poignant to me so familiar to my own story as a psychic kid. And in 2009, I wrote her an email. And remember how I said she was always available to her fans? Well, you know, I didn't really know that. I had heard the stories of her parties in New Orleans. Hadn't been, because I didn't... Uh, I wasn't goth enough. I think that was my belief. I wasn't like her other fans. And I see the folly of that now, because what Anne created was there was a place for all of us. <laughs> In 2006, I wrote her an email celebrating her book and celebrating that she was able to recognize Jesus in this way and bring him to life in a new way. And I know that with this book, she researched deeply for historical context and accuracy to create a world that was not of her imagination. Shaman, right? She was able to step into other worlds and bring them through for us and invite them in for us so that we may find more of ourselves in it. Hmm. So I wrote her an email. Is that where I am? Maybe. And she responded. <laughs> and her opening line of her email was, you leave me kind of breathless. <laughs> Maybe that's just where I'm at today is kind of breathless. I wrote to her at a time that I was on my path of shaman, but really shaky in it. 
really wanting to be that and to own that. But not yet there. <laughs> so I think sitting here today, recognizing an entire life and the impact of that life. She dreamed me into being too. Or at least she gave me enough of a lifeline that I didn't forget who I am. Anne Rice was also very devoted to uh, Mother Mary. She left on 13 December of this year. Just a day after the Guadalupe Day, which to me is usually my main honoring of Mother Day throughout the year. I don't know that I'd ever recognized Anne Rice as Mother. Thank God I didn't put that shit on her, huh? <laughs> so I'm not sad at her passing. I'm in awe of her impact on me and maybe on you and so many others for giving us something that we needed for loving us <laughs> the queer, the weirdos the outcasts she loved us she made it safer in this world to be us and fuck, even when we get into Queen of the Dam, like, what did she call her? Akasha, right? Akasha? What did she call her? Something like that. But, like, it's right there. So may I someday write as beautifully as she does. May what she gifted me continue to be a blessing through me. May her legacy be so much bigger than vampires. Because Anne, you've left me kind of breathless.